Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sibling Rivalries. My name is Caleb Simpson, and I am here with my co-host slash sister. Chrisanne. Hi. I'm not telling you my last name because the NSA knows too much already. Fair enough. Uh, today's episode, our topic of frivolity is sin. What is sin? How does it affect people? What What does it look like? Uh, but before we get there, our topic of highest import, I have the pleasure of introducing today. It is your favorite superhero. Oh, well, I have to say Wonder Woman. So why? Why do you have to? Because I have a vagina. Oh, it's in the rule book. Fair enough. Not Captain Marvel. Damn it. Hmm. Yeah. Hawkwoman. I don't even know who the, the wasp. Is. Eh, the wasp, not so much. But Mo- Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman are from different universes. Universi. This is true. I'm so, proud of you for knowing this. Hey, I watched all the Marvel movies. You did. You yeah. did. Anyway, so I pick one from each universe, then I get those two. Wonder, Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel. Yeah. That's fair. I think probably it would be Batman. You would. Or well, Batman, Superman, and Spider Man are like my Spider-Man. my favorite. Spider Man is cool. He's just funny. He's like super powerful, but you forget how powerful he is because he's, he's like just great. he's like talks and funny, and he's kind of yeah. He's the Iron Man. Iron Man was my first superhero love, really. Like as a kid, or like from the movies. From the movies. Oh. Um. As a kid, definitely Superman. Hey, do you remember when we got at, in Louisiana at our grandparents' farm? There was a box of Dad's old comic books. Uh-huh. Do you remember Iron Jaw? I think his name was. Yeah. That guy. And then I got that confused. He was with a Iron he was Man. a bard that kept seducing everyone's women. So the guys kidnapped That's him. That's right. Put a fi- a sword in a fire and then cut off his uh his lower jaw. We were like eight. I was like eight reading yeah. that. That's not appropriate. But Oh, it's very appropriate. It was so much fun. For seducing, anyway. Conan the Barbarian was a comic before it was a... I didn't read that. Well, I mean, the comic doesn't go into great detail about how he seduced all the... In the comic, like he was just staying and all the ladies would be like, oh, we love this guy. And then the the husband would get all... Yeah, then Gaston, well, or like some dude was doing that and then Gaston was jealous because the girls weren't all over him. So they, he goes and cuts the guy's jaw off so he can't sing. Right, so he can't sing. Um... What I loved about those were the little advertisements for sea monkeys in the end. <laughs> for sea monkeys and the coupons that you could send in to get x-ray glasses that yeah. you know would just be like glasses with cardboard in the frame. I know. And like a little hole. I always wanted to send in, even though those ads were from like the 60s. They wouldn't have yeah. done anything. I so just anyways, wanted to know what the x-ray glasses did. But- I agree. I So you liked... Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man. You got to pick Batman or Superman because they're in the same universe. You go with Batman, wouldn't you? Yeah. Tell I think, the people why you why you respect Batman so much. Well, I like Batman because he's he's a, a normal dude who uh, doesn't have any superpowers outside of like... A normal man with Asperger's who <laughs> just... Maybe. 
But he he's a normal dude that like outside of just being super rich and super dedicated and having all the steroids he wants, doesn't have any superpowers. It's true. Yeah. But That's I like true. Superman because he's he's got all the power, but he doesn't let it corrupt him. He's like he's just a, a good person. It so. is kind of the dark it's like they're both good, but Batman comes at it from the darker angle. Because it's like he's motivated by the death of his parents and that whole thing. And Superman's just like, oh, I can I can save the world. I might as well. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to pick. I, I guess if I had to pick one of them, I would say Superman. Really? Well, just consistently, I like Superman. Like, I'd rather read a Superman comic. Oh, okay. Entertainment value. That was your shirt yeah. at your wedding, too, right? It was Superman. Yeah, I was Superman. And uh, my best man was Batman. Mm-hmm. And then... My groomsmen were Aquaman, uh, Martian Manhunter, Green Hawk Lantern, Man, like all the all the all the Justice League. But anyway, but so now Wonder that we Woman. have hmm. interesting, hmm. what's that? Well, but not Wonder Woman. If one of the bridesmaids wanted to be Wonder Woman, but she not could've. Wonder Woman. I didn't see you wearing a Wonder Woman shirt. You didn't give me one. Anyway. Uh, let's uh, move on from our topic of highest import. But before we do, let's remind the people to please like and subscribe to our podcast and even review it if you like it. If you don't like it, don't review it. It's fine. Yeah. If you don't like it, this is the one time it's okay to lie. You can just give us five stars. In your mind, you can assume that five stars means bad. Yeah, and then, right. And then yep. rate us that way. You can lie, which might be a sin, but maybe that doesn't matter. We're about to find out. Yeah. So our topic of frivolity today is what is sin? Chrisanne, what is sin? I think that sin is, well, I think the word, doesn't it mean like missing the mark? It was like a marksman term. I'm pretty sure. For, like um, the English word sin? I think the word tr- we translate into sin from the Bible, from the Septuagint, is something having to do with missing your mark as like an archery kind of a thing. Um, and I think that that, that kind of works. I think uh, generally sin is just something, it's sort of... Um, missing your sort of best potential you know the the i think we all have like a high a highest potential and sin would just be kind of falling short of that and um yeah i think it would it would be inherent is in that is that it would be destructive rather than creative in my view and harmful in some way to you know life promoting life whatever so i think that's what we're here for okay what about you what what is sin so so just so i'm clear you're saying that sin is missing the mark of what god intends or uh i said your sort of highest potential good is what I, I don't think I said good, but your highest potential good, which is, I think, what God intends. So sure. Yeah, you can say that. Okay. And that 
Do you think sin is destructive in nature? Yeah. Is all sin inherently destructive, you think? Yeah, I think I think so. I think for it to be sin it needs it it is moving against Yeah, I th- yeah, I think so. So definitely want to come back to that. But I would say if someone were to ask me what is sin? I am. I'm asking you right now. Oh, wow. How convenient. Uh I would say a lot of the same thing. So it is like you said, it was it's missing the mark. It's um there's several words translated as sin depending on the translation or whatever, but it's something that is against God's nature. It's something that is deserving of punishment. It's something, um, what it comes down to is it's, it's something against God's will. So I think anything that falls shy of what God wants or anything that is contrary to what God wants is sin. Um, that being said, I don't think that it's inherently destructive. And I think some sins, we might not always see why it's a sin in the moment. Um, like, um, this came up when we talked about homosexuality. Right. Is there another example you can think of? Well, the, the law given to Moses, um, there were a lot of ritualistic laws, ritual laws, that if you could keep and you didn't, would be a sin. A baptism in the Christian life, baptism is the first step in being a Christian and in showing that you're reborn, and we're commanded to do it by Jesus. And if we if we say, well, we're commanded to, but I don't really want to, I don't really see the point. I mean, you could say that's a sin because you're defying mm. the order of your king. You're defying the commandment given by Jesus, who's the one that we follow. So in your view, you're saying that sin is just doing doing anything that God says not to do? Or not doing something God tells you to do. Okay. So anything against... Disobedience? The will of God. Disobedience to okay. God's will, yes. Okay, yeah. So I guess my first question would be, where where do you get that idea that sin is destructive? Like, I mean, the example I just gave, I think I think that's examples of something that wouldn't be... If you look at it, you say, well, you're not getting baptized. It's not the worst thing in the world. No one's getting hurt by it. Nothing about that, about not getting baptized, is destructive. It's just... Basically, it's, it's just an act of disobedience or an act of a small act of rebellion toward Jesus, but in every other aspect, you might be, you know, it's, it's not destructive. There's nothing that no one's harmed by it. Well, I wouldn't say not getting baptized is a sin. I suppose it, this is why we chose to talk about this is because we realize a lot of our differences are extremely nuanced. (laughs) So, so we will be parsing words out a bit, but I think when you say sin is disobedience to God, I would agree with that. I just, I think that God's desire for us, the things that God wants us to obey, so to speak, are things that promote life. And if it's, so I don't think that um, God's nature would require us to do something destructive. And I don't think that God's nature either would prohibit us from doing something 
um, that isn't destructive. So if, and I will say, this is, we're speaking very generally uh -huh. for any individual person. I think that um, this is some, you know, God works these things out. I, I do think that God has a personal relationship with individual people, you know, most days I believe that. And so I would say, you know, that, that it's quite possible God would say to someone for reasons they don't understand, you need to get dunked in water to be baptized. This is, this is very important to me to do. And that their, their disobedience to that, it's like, I suppose you could call that sin, but there would be a creative and life promoting reason that God would want that. And that would be, that would be plain to the person. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a secret to the person why God was asking them to do something. And if it was, it would make, it would make sense in another way. Like it would, it's, I don't think God is arbitrary. So we could talk about the Old Testament law because a lot of yeah. that does seem arbitrary, but. Because Jesus did say to the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yeah. teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. Right. Right. So baptism is in the Great Commission. There right. was at the point of conversion, people were baptized. It's a, it's a first step of obedience is an outward expression of an inward faith. I don't think baptism is inherently spiritual or, or whatever. Um, but I think that if someone is becomes a believer and they're able to be baptized, mm -hmm. or if they don't have a big body of water, like the early church, they had the, I can't remember what the text is called, but um, some of the church fathers put together, like basically the general practices of the early church in the first couple centuries. And if they didn't have a big body of water, they would pour water over the head. If they didn't have right, that, right. like whatever, they'd sprinkle. But it's a it's a first step of obedience. Mm -hmm. And so if someone says, I'm now a follower of Jesus, I commit my entire life to him. And when I read his words, he wants us to be baptized. But I think that if I get baptized, it might be a little weird to my friends or to my family or for whatever reason, or it's just not convenient. So, okay, so I'm not going to get baptized. I think that's, yeah. I don't think there's anything that we can see. To us, it might seem arbitrary. I don't but... agree. I don't agree at all. I think in that situation, the the destructive force there is that that person is not being honest with himself. And honesty, you know, speaking and, and living in the truth is vital to promoting life. Right. And so if someone is not being honest about what? About, about his their this, obedience to God. Well, this thing Your, that is important to them. I mean, again, I think I don't think that you have to get baptized. But if this person believes that it is important to get baptized and they refuse to because they don't want people to think poorly of them, they don't want to. They don't want to own up to, you know, this new way of life that they're choosing. Well, then that is. That's a sin, not because they're disobeying a commandment, but because they are not serving life and create the creative promotion of life. They are being destructive to their own soul. When we're dishonest with ourselves and with people around us, we're, we're being destructive to our soul and possibly other people's. So to me, like, I'm not looking in the New Testament or the Old Testament. I'm not looking at the Bible for commandments. Right. I'm I'm I think that might be a key difference is I don't look at Jesus's words 
and try to figure out what are the new rules, what are the commandments that he's giving us, I think he's offering a different uh, perspective. He's offering a perspective shift and a way of living that comes along with that perspective shift that will you know, promote more life in the world and make life more wonderful okay. for everyone. So, so does Jesus give us commands, though? Uh, I think there, yes, there are things that Jesus says a person living in this way should, you know, should do. So yes. Yeah. But I'm not looking to the Bible to find those things. I think it's more like a guide of, you know, Jesus is saying, Hey, if you want to, if you want to live in this way, here are things that you can do to help you live in this way. Not, you know, here's my list of rules that you have to obey. Otherwise, you're going to get punished. See, I see it as if you're going to live in the kingdom, this is what I expect of everyone in the kingdom. Right. I know that's how you see it. <laughs> but okay. yeah, that makes, I so, mean, I, but I think there is a difference. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not looking, and I think this is, we're probably going to have to take a, a rabbit trail because I think this is pretty important. So when I read the Bible, I'm not, I also am not just looking at the Bible and trying to find a list of things I can and can't do. Right. The yeah. the purpose, the point of living in the kingdom is not, you know, what's the most I can get away with and right. still be saved. The point of having the Holy Spirit, the point of being saved is you're saved from the bondage of sin. Mm-hmm. You no longer serve sin. Now you serve Jesus. You serve a higher purpose. You're not serving yourself, the flesh, all of that stuff. However there are commands that Jesus gives and there are things that we are to do and things we're not to do in the old Testament in the, the nation of Israel was God's nation that he would bring the, the weightier matters of the law, the justice, mercy, and the faith. mm -hmm. He would bring that to the world through Israel and he gave them uh, rules and commands. And a lot of them were ritualistic, Mm -hmm. right? Sacrifices and all of that stuff, but it all pointed to God and to, ultimately Jesus who would sit on the throne forever. Yeah. Now we have new rules, albeit there's a lot less. We don't have any of the ritualistic rules other than a few ritualistic laws like uh, baptism. And some people would say communion is a commandment. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think it is, but those would be like ritualistic. But most of them are moral. They're moral laws. Don't, don't kill people. Don't be unjustifiably angry angry don't lust after your your neighbor's wife you know it's not just adultery now it's lust yeah you know so well you said something really important and key which is that so and i want to reiterate because i don't want to misrepresent you you said we're saved to be free from the bondage of sin right Uh uh-huh so i i think that again i think that jesus is thrust, you know, was a perspective change in many ways. And I think that right there, I I see as like, yes, I think that is true. A hundred percent. We're, we're freed from the bondage of sin, but we're free for what purpose? And I think that is where I'm kind of coming at reading the Bible and looking at these things is we're free, we're freed to 
to promote life, you know, to, to yeah. make, to co-create with but, God. See, I would agree with that. We're, yeah, we're I know you from would. the bondage yeah. of sin and the wages of sin is death. Sure. And so if we're freed from the bondage of sin, now death has no sting. Yes. Right? We have no fear of death because if we die as, as if we die in the kingdom, our life actually gets better because we die on earth, but we don't die. We don't face the second death. We're with Jesus. We have. Yeah, I think, but I think what's, continues. what's important about it is I don't think the point of Jesus's ministry, you know, was to avoid the punishment for sin, which is, we have an episode on hell you guys can listen to. Um, <laughs> but I think it was, I think the point was you are already like living in, in this, you know, abundant and, and creative world. And you, you have not only the opportunity, but the responsibility to co-create in it. And so it's kind of like the, the freedom from, you know, from the bondage to sin, which I think also would be like shame and anger and fear, those things that have a grip on you, you are now like, it's, it's not about those things. Those are just the things that we have to get out of the way in order for you to be like what you were intended to be. And so I think it's it most, again, I don't think you're going to disagree with that. I think it's just a nuanced focus. It's like where, where you're looking, the lens yeah. through which you're looking at what Jesus is saying. And so I don't see commandments, you know, of like, so do these things in order to be freed from sin. I see do these things to be promoted, you know, to like... So, so let me let me clarify. I don't think that there are commands that Jesus gives and says, where he says, if you do these things, then you're in the kingdom mm-hmm. or then you're saved. The only oh, thing that okay. we need to do to be in the kingdom is to follow Jesus. If we so are pursuing your... him... Okay, but you said... Okay, okay, that is helpful. I think I yeah. must have misunderstood because you said, you said something like... Um, when we were talking about like Jesus having commandments and stuff like mm-hmm. that, you said you're like, in I a kingdom it's... and there, these are the expectations of being in the kingdom. And so yes. I think I assumed that you meant if you don't follow those expectations, you're no longer in the kingdom. So no, that's it's, not what you it's mean? like, it's, I think it's more like if we, let's say I live in unconquered territory. I live way up in the Arctic where no nation stakes a claim. Right. Okay. And so there's, I can pretty much do what I want. I'm governing myself, but then I want to come to the U.S. If I if I step within the borders of America, all of the laws of America now apply to me. It's not that I am obeying them mm-hmm. that means that I'm here. So, what it takes to be in the kingdom just takes submission to Jesus, to to be pursuing him as your king, Mm -hmm. acknowledging him, not only acknowledging him as the king, but living your life in response to him being king. Yeah. And then all of the commands that he gives us is the expectations he has for his subjects. And so if I want to live my life the way Jesus wants me to live my life, I'm going to, when I'm faced with an issue, if it's brought up in the Bible and Jesus talks about it, I'm going to live my life the way he said I should. Because I'm, I want to live my life the way that he wants from me. Mm-hmm. So it's not the things that, that Jesus laid out aren't what makes us saved. They're not right. what makes us in the kingdom. 
but they're how we should be living now that we are in the kingdom. That's clarifying. So it, so what's the sort of... So my, my thing, it all started with, I think that there are sins that are not inherently... Destructive. Destructive or, or obviously destructive or promote life, which we have to define what that means also. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that our culture might say promotes love and is good thing and is beneficial, but God might say, or Jesus might teach against it, like our episode on homosexuality. Well, Jesus, that's something. That. Yeah, I agree. I think, but that's, and that is where we listen to the episode because he does. He does not, but actually he's fine. Um, well, actually in that episode, we do talk about this and that is a, that is a pretty big difference between you and I, um, which is that I, I do well, and the episode on the Bible, you know, I definitely don't read the Bible um, as something that is applicable, easily applicable to us. And there are are there are plenty of areas where I see much more like that. This is something in context yeah. for that specific time where you see it as more of a universal. So and, you know, we've crossed that bridge. We're not going to agree on it, but um but yeah, I, I think that, that that makes sense, what you're saying, I think. So so using the amalgam, that's the right word, a definition of sin between us. I like it. Let's use, let's use the, the working definition for sin as something that is against God's will mm-hmm. for our lives and can be seen as destructive. So that that let's let that be our working definition of sin, um, because that's kind of I mean obviously say, some things are going to be a little different. Can but we for say the sake is, of this conversation, can we say is destructive? It doesn't sure because you said can be seen. Well, I I'll say is destructive, and I do believe that, but I don't think it's you all can't always see it. Right, right. That's what I mean. I want to be more generous to your side of it, which is you can't always see it, but it might be destructive. Okay. Okay, so with that definition in mind, do Christians sin? And if they do, what does that look like? Uh, no. Or I guess everyone should acknowledge that Christians sin. Yes. Okay, fine. So I was going to try to, you know, play that off, but you just let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> well, let's, let's actually, let's ask this question first. Can a Christian get to a point where they no longer sin for the rest of their life? Um, I'll just add in here for shits and giggles that I don't think it matters if we're saying Christian or human. So go ahead and put that into your brain, everybody. Um, but I think I, uh, that's a tough question when I think about, because, you know, I really do see sin as, as like immaturity. That's probably what I should have said at the top. And so it's like, can you ever be fully mature? Like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that you can ever be like root out every single part of you that is because you are infinite in some way. Like there is no end to what's going on in your subconscious. Like, and that's true of every person. It's just, it's, so I don't know. I I don't, I don't know. I would say 
Jesus is supposed to be our example of, of a human that is, you know, sinless, is, is perfectly, you know, has arrived at that maturity or whatever. So I guess it's conceivable. I just. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. So I think we pretty much agree because I would say I like what you said about maturity because I think that the more mature we are in our Christian life, and I do think there's a difference because if you're not a Christian, then you're still living in bondage to sin. Yeah, um, yeah. Then the the more mature you are in Christ, the less you're going to sin because when we keep our eyes focused on the Spirit, when we live by the Spirit and not by the flesh, we don't sin. We don't have the desire to. It's We're living in accordance with God's will. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, not because... The father looks a lot like Jesus or like physically, but because Jesus lived his life in the will of the father. Even in, when he prayed, he said, if there's a way to take this cup from me, then do it. But your will be done. And he submitted himself to it. So I do think it's conceivable. Uh, Wait, so you said... I don't think someone will achieve it because it's... Okay, but you just said fail. that if we are living in Christ, we're not living in bondage to sin. I think if we are living in the spirit and yeah. we're focused on the spirit, then we won't sin. I think when we sin, we put our wants or needs or something else. Yeah, but you said there's the a spirit. difference between Christians and humans because a person living in Christ is no longer under bondage to sin. So do you think Christians are not in bondage to sin? No. No, you don't think that? Or no, they're not? No, they're not. They're not slaves to sin. The mark of a Christian is they struggle with sin. If they sin, they repent. So and they do what they need to do not to do it. You don't no, I'm not saying non-Christians struggle? don't struggle with different sins, but I'm saying that Christians, Christians don't try not to sin to be a, just a better person in general or to be for whatever motivation, the motivation for a Christian not to sin is because they're living in the spirit. Okay. I think that's just true of humans. We should make this another episode. We like, I don't know what to call it, but we should talk about that. But <laughs> okay. I, I, do I mean, think... if you can say it's true of humans, I just think that someone, I just think Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. If anyone calls themselves, or if anyone's a Christian, or if anyone's in the kingdom, I should say, but does not call themselves a Christian, I think it's in spite of whatever belief yeah. system they have. I, I don't know. think it's because of that. Yeah, we we should talk. We should that we should talk more about this. Might be out of context. No, I don't think. I think. But well, I no, think I'm, we should talk I'm just more saying about to this. our listeners that if me saying that might seem out of context, but it's related to another conversation we had. Yeah, but I I want to, but I think it's an interesting thought that a Christian is not a slave to sin. Like, cause I guess to my mind, you know, thinking about sin on a kind of maturity scale, it's like you are still a slave to it to whatever degree, you know, you, you haven't matured out of it. You know what I mean? Like I still have the same impulses or, you know, like, the things that I came here with that um, make it hard for me to 
live in a way that promotes life, let's say, um, are still there. So even after I've sometimes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I'm yelling at my kids. Well, that's the thing. So I, I you know, it's the... hard. We've, we've been Christian since we were little kids, but I, right. I know plenty of people who are not Christians who have the same exact trajectory of maturation as me, even more so. They might even be more mature than I am at my age because they are working on that. It's just, it's, but it's like, but we're never, it's not, it's, it's like the bondage that the Bible talks about, I think is so useful because I feel that as a Christian, like, I don't think you have to be a Christian to relate to it, but it's like, even as a Christian, I feel this, this bondage. I think what you're talking about is so true. We are in some sense, we are already free. And that's what, that's what Christ's message is, is that you're already freer than you think you are. And that's why it's a perspective change, but whatever part of our perspective is still, you know, caught up in that, um, the shame and guilt and fear and the things that make us behave destructively. I mean, that is still in bondage. So I, I think that the difference or what I'm trying to get across is, and I'll just read first John chapter two, starting at verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him for that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world and the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Yeah. So throughout first John, his letter, mm-hmm. we see that if anyone, no matter, even if they look like, you know, this person's kind, they're a philanthropist or whatever. If they have the love of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, yeah. if they're not, submitted to god but they're submitted to something else even if it makes them look a better person than other people they're still a slave to sin they're still of the world being of the kingdom and the difference is that the christian with the spirit in the kingdom doesn't have the same bondage to sin they may still have struggles with sin they may still have some things that they still uh Hmm. They still, they still are fighting with, and they're still battling with, with the help of the spirit, but their, their life is no longer marked by sinful behavior. Their life is now marked by submission to Jesus. And that looks different to different people. And each, each one, it's a case by case basis. You can't look at someone and just say, well, you know, you do this, this many times a week. And so you can't be saved. But if someone is submitted to Jesus as opposed to the world, the lust of the flesh, the eyes, pride of life, anything like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we should talk about what is a Christian and what does that mean, I guess. But yeah. do you think that that's, is that kind of why you are sort of concerned with what Jesus says to do or what Jesus says is right is because. Well, yeah. In the, in the same letter from John, he says, Uh, chapter two, verse three. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So John in the same letter lays out four tests that we can know that we can have assurance that we know Jesus and that we're, that we're saved. One is that we love the brethren. The other is that we believe Jesus came in the flesh and rose from the dead. 
The third is that we live obeying his commandments. And the fourth is that we have the Holy Spirit. And so obeying the commandments is one of the ways that we can know that we have him. Because if we, if we live, you know, loving people and it looks really good, but we aren't concerned with obeying, following the commands of Jesus, then what are we, what are we concerned with? Like he is our king. It's, it's a kingdom and he's the one in charge. And he says, this is how I want you to live in my kingdom. Even if I say, well, I kind of want to do this. If Jesus says, don't, I'm not going to, because he's the king. He's the one who makes the laws. If Jesus says, don't, I would suggest that maybe you haven't fully come down from your DMT trip. That'd be my suggestion. What? <laughs> if Jesus comes to you in the flesh okay. and is like, don't do that. So was Paul on DMT when he saw Jesus on the road to You Amaz? don't want to hear my answer to those questions. You think every prophet was on some sort of hallucinogen. The Pharisees were just popping mushrooms while they were Actually, walking around. Actually, there's a type of meditation see... that you can do that basically gives you a DMT trip without any extra drugs. So Yeah, we talked about that. Anyway, no, I hear you. I think, uh, I just think, I just don't see, even given that verse, I know everyone, you know, half the people listening, probably more than half think I'm a heretic because I think we skew more towards your people. But uh, I just still don't think that the commandment part of it is, I don't think Jesus was intending to give us more commandments. I think it was a, it was so an easy way for people. So what did he intend when he tells us don't? If you love uh, me, you'll obey my commandments. Because yeah. I think it was an easy way to communicate to people who had only ever been in structures of top-down hierarchy and, you know, uh, you have a king. Is the kingdom not top-down hierarchy? Well, it is in a sense, yes. But the way that that the head, you know, that Christ exercises his authority is extremely different. And I don't think... I don't think doling out commands is a part of it, but I think it was an easy way to communicate to, you know, people new to this perspective, this way that he was talking about living, you know, it was like, okay, listen, these are my commandments. You're going to love your neighbor and, you know, and be like, pray for your enemies and you're, you know, yeah. like, so it was things that, and like even the stuff that you listed off, like the lust, you can't help. We've talked about that before. You can't help it if you're. But you can help if you act on it. Yeah, you can. But I'm just saying it's like. he. The desire I think to getting, do something isn't a sin. Jesus had not, a desire to turn rocks right, into bread. But hear me he out. I think that it's like it's getting at like the problem is deeper in you than any list of commandments could fix, which is right. That's what Paul says about the which law. Which is why we have the Holy Spirit. Right. And so, but, it, but the point in Jesus giving us those commandments, you know, those, th those orders are to help us to understand how deep it goes and how, um, and how, like where to invite the spirit. I think like we, you know, is my heart, you know, something that, um, like, is it, is it in my heart to kill my brother? Even though I would never act on it, I would never actually do it. Jesus takes it a step further, right? And he says, if you hate someone in your heart. So it's this like, okay, 
the root of the violence we see in the world and the bad behaviors and the real destruction we see out there, that same destruction is way down deep in here. And Jesus is about, you know, getting in there and fixing it in there so that all this other stuff out here, you know, the destructive behavior will not even happen because the destructive beliefs and like thought patterns and, you know, the powers and principalities, like those things, those destructive things within the human heart and the human soul are being, you know, brought into the light. Like if you think about the Jungian idea of the shadow self, you integrate your shadow and it makes you are a stronger and more whole individual because of it. And so it's, you know. So I agree that he's saying he's he's getting to the root of problems he's it's a like a pig looking for truffles (laughs) sure which apparently you're not allowed to use it's illegal to use pigs for truffles in italy because the pigs eat them but why would that be illegal i don't know but that's what i was told by someone who lives in italy that's really funny so but anyway um (laughs) So I agree with you that Jesus is getting to the root of things, but they come with commands. He's not saying, hey guys, let's deal with the root of stuff. And just as long as you're a good person, then we're cool. He's laying out what it looks like to live in the kingdom. He's laying out what it looks like to be a good person, to to be mature in him, to look more like him and look more like the the people that God intended when he created this earth. The people that get past the testing and will one day rule with Christ in the kingdom. And so it does come with, and I, I mean, I, I don't think, we might not be really disagreeing, but just that I don't think that the number one focus and emphasis should be on the commandments, sure. but there should be a focus on the commandments. Because there are, I can say I love Jesus all I want, but if I don't change my life and I just, I maybe donate more money or something, then I'm still not fully submitted to Jesus. Yeah. Here's my, yes, I agree with you. I, I think I'm realizing like my concern when I am talking about this with you is, is for anybody listening, I think, um, some of us are kind of prone to to guilt and shame and fear. And I mean, I think we all humans kind of struggle with one of these. This is a whole Enneagram thing that we could get into. Anyway, um, but I, I think my concern is some people, and you very well might be this kind of person, can talk about uh, authority and commands and um, and that kind of thing. And it can bring them comfort. It can be, you know, it's not threatening to their sense of security and God's love for them. But there are other people, and I know many of them, and I and I am probably one, where um, that can bring up a lot of insecurity, and it can make you f- feel um, unsafe and scared that you know, what if I'm not living up to all of these commands? You know, if there's a list of commands I'm supposed to be obeying, you know, what if I miss one, right? And the Old Testament depiction of of uh, of people not obeying all the commands is pretty harsh. 
And so it can, it can create insecurity or it can exploit an insecurity that already exists in a person's confidence in God's love for them. And so I don't think that Jesus, I, I am certainly never saying that Jesus is, you know, I, you know, that, that there's no responsibility. I, I, I'm not, I'm never saying that Jesus thinks that there is no responsibility for a person who is committed to co-creating with God, quite the contrary. I just think that there's a way to look at that responsibility from a place of rest and joy and peace. And that not for everybody, again, maybe you're not in this camp, but for many people, um, focusing in on, um, sin being like disobedience and not adhering to all the commands is just not helpful. So from a pastoral standpoint, you know, I want to make it clear, like, you don't have to look at it that way. And in fact, I think Jesus is encouraging, you know, maybe those of us with soft consciences or something to look at it from another perspective, which is, you know, you're promoting life. I get, I get what you're saying. And I think that much of our Develop many years, many of our developmental years, right? Many, whatever, take heeded <laughs> of. Uh, <laughs> many of our developmental years were spent in a very legalistic church, right. and so I understand where you're coming from, and I get that of the like. I said the sinner's prayer like four or five times because I was worried about. Yeah, you know, I got I baptized twice. Did you really? Actually, no, I thought about getting baptized the second time and finally decided I didn't have to, but oh, I almost okay. did. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand what you're saying. And I, I get what you're saying of like, you know, we don't want to make that emphasis. But I think if we have an accurate view of sin, of the commandments Jesus gave and what it means to be in the kingdom, mm-hmm. then we understand that, yeah, some that guilt can come and frankly, it can be a good thing if we're living in rebellion to Jesus. If we hear the commands that Jesus wants for us and we we realize, oh, I've not been living that way. I'm not living the way God wants me to. I'm not living in submission to Jesus. Right. I feel guilty about that. that's not what I'm talking about. And then it, it changes. It, and now I say, okay, well, now I want to live the way he wants me to live. And so I'm going to come to him. And once we realize that, like, uh, First John chapter one, verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Mm-hmm. If we confess our sins, he's writing to Christians. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right. But I'm not so, talking about a helpful guilt, but that... No, I understand that, but I'm, I'm addressing that. So if we have an accurate view of sin and we have an accurate view of what Jesus expects from us, then... It changes the same way that I no longer pray the sinner's prayer every time I sin because I recognize that I repent, I go to Christ and and I go to the Father and he's faithful and he's just to forgive me of my sins. But it's, we, I don't think that we should, uh, what, what am I looking for? Are when you, you concerned when you, with when you, bending when, the... When you wash it all out, when you when you take a bunch of wine and you put so much water in that it's right dilute it, yeah, yeah, dilute. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. When you, I don't think that we should dilute the importance of the commands of Jesus and the importance of living a particular way, so that we don't offend some people. Because the worry that I have is if we do that, then people will think themselves Christians and think themselves saved, 
when they aren't living in submission to Jesus. They think, oh, submission to Jesus just means I go to church on Sunday and I maybe give a little bit more money, but my life really doesn't have to change. And that's not what living for Christ is. Okay, well, so that brings up a question I, we might not have time to, re- to deal with, but when, because earlier you had said it's not really about obeying the commands, it's about submission to Jesus, but now you're saying that not obeying those commandments might mean that you're not in submission to Jesus. So, well, because if Jesus, there. if Jesus gave us commands and we're living in submission to Him, we'll fulfill His commands. Okay. Well, I I think but, so. I, so I the, do... the point isn't we don't have to live a perfect life to be saved. Sure. We just have to be pursuing and living in submission to Jesus. But if we, if someone gets told a false gospel, and they think that living in submission to Jesus means just going to church on Sunday, then that's not really the gospel. That's not the kingdom. Yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about either. I, so I, I think we do have just different, and I think it's a reflection of who God is, which is multifaceted, that we have different concerns with these things. And I don't think that Jesus was giving us a list of commands to obey, like I've already explained. But I'm also open to the idea that, um, you know, maybe it comes with maturity, that those things are not threatening and that you can say confidently, you know, this is what Jesus has to say. And, you know, like obedience is key and that and that that will not add an extra layer of burden on a person's conscience once they, like you said, you know, have a better understanding of of who God is and, and what sin is and everything. Right. I'm open to that possibility right now. I don't think that's the case, but I'm, I'm open to that being true. I just think, um, you know, I think we, we just have different concerns well, and emphases. And I, I do think that the more mature we are in Christ and the more that we grow, the less of a burden any of those commands are because the more in God's will we want to live. You know, it was, it, it I struggled a lot with sin when I was young I don't now that I'm older. It's not yeah. It's not really a burden. But I would also say even according to your definition of sin, the commandments would still because the the commandments that Jesus gives us, you know, don't don't have don't hate your brother, love your enemy, um forgive 70 times 7 times. Mm-hmm. Like all of that would promote life and to yeah, not do no, those I things. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I just, that's not the point of him saying them is to give you a list of commandments is what I'm getting at. And the whole homosexuality thing, which I don't think he's against. Um, But maybe we, maybe we should do a part two and, um, and talk about some of these more, these questions we're starting to get into. Well, there, there is one other question I wanted to address, and I don't think this will take too long before the end of this episode. And that is, are all sins equal? Growing up, I was told all sins are equal at the foot of the cross. And so I assumed that, you know, stealing a dollar was the same as murdering somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of weird. So, Chrisanne, are all sins equal? Uh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think... <laughs> uh, I just imagine you get really annoyed whenever you ask me questions because... But I, I think... Um, but one of my growth patterns is not caring anymore. Uh, I think that when we say equal, we what are we even talking about? <laughs> I mean, I you know, I think that it's it seems pretty obvious to me that stealing a candy bar and murdering someone 
are extremely different. And even Barely. even on my own, you know, on my kind of metric of destruction, stealing a candy bar, slightly destructive. You're, you know, taking some money out of the owner's pocket or whatever. Murdering someone <laughs> seems much more destructive. So, so no, I mean, to, the easy yeah. answer is no, I don't think that all things are yeah. the same. Yeah, I think when people say that, they're trying to say like all sins are forgivable. The wages of and, sin is death. Yeah. And so all sins are separate us from God and they they mean that we need to repent. But yeah, no, obviously not all sins are, are equal across the board. I mean, yeah. even even how bad it affects your heart. If I if if I'm as a Christian, if I, you know, steal a candy bar or something. I think God's going to work with me a, lo- a little bit less probably than someone who like murders someone, you know? Yeah. You know, like there's, actually there's that... something deeper in you. Yeah. There's something particular acts. There's something deeper others. that you've, you have messed with. I think if you like go out and, you know, commit violence against another person, but it actually does make me think, you know, to be, to be generous in our view of like the people, the, whoever promoted that kind of thing, all, all sins are equal at the foot of the cross. You know, I think it's also meant to be hopeful that no matter what you've done, you know, it's, you're no worse, yeah. you're no worse off yeah. in front of Jesus than the other person. And well, I also then use think, it within the context. Don't tell a little kid that who's not done anything <laughs> terribly bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. You're just like a murderer for stealing that. That's true. <laughs> Did you um, steal a candy bar? Well, I might as well murder someone. Yeah. But I think that also it makes me think that like kind of going back to what we were talking about, about, you know, if you're dishonest, you are eroding your own soul um, and maybe even people around you. Like if you steal a candy bar, you know, like you, I think that God cares. I think that God cares just as much about, about that, about the, you know, about whatever is happening in you that caused that behavior as he does about you know, the person who, who does something much more, you know, something violent or, you know, kills somebody or something. I think he cares just as much. And so, you know, on that level, that's very comforting, but you know, like you, yes, I, I, I do think it's rather foolish to say, you know, everything is, is all the same. I think that's why you should be cautious to not tell little lies to yourself is because they lead to bigger lies. You know, I do think that that's a solid principle, you know, Stealing but a candy bar could lead not to all other sins things. are equal, but they're not right. They're not all, they're not all the same. And some have repercussions, and some don't affect other people, and all that stuff. If you've made it this long, we appreciate you. And maybe we'll do a part two. We don't know. Thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe and all rate stuff. if you liked us. All that fun stuff. But in summation, uh, Chrisanne, uh, tell me if I'm wrong. But you think that we should play the role of God and judge what is and isn't sin based on our arbitrary view of what is and isn't destructive. Yeah, yep. You pretty much got it. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, that wraps up another episode. Thanks for listening. Peace.